Happy Mother's Day. If you are a mother here, will you raise your hand so I can see all the moms that are in the audience? Yeah, let's give them a round of applause. Happy Mother's Day. Thank you for coming here to Pinion Hills as we get to celebrate you today. We are excited. Uh, today's sermon series, or today's the title of the sermon is, is titled, Hashtag Best Mom Ever. Now, you might be sitting there thinking, well, Matt, what credibility do you have to talk about and teach about how to become the best mom ever? And, and I would say, oh, 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 contraire, my friend, because... A couple years ago, my wife left for the weekend. <laughs> she left for the weekend, and, and all the women at this church that we were part of in San Diego, they all took off on a women's retreat, leaving all the husbands to fend for themselves. And it was so easy uh, with my wife being out of town that myself and my buddy, we actually created a video of how things were going at home while our wives were away. Check out this video clip of what happened at home. children were harmed in the making of that video, I promise. So perhaps I'm not the most equipped, I don't have the, the, the authority to speak and teach from personal experience on how to become the best mom ever. However, moms, my hope, my desire for you today is that when you leave here today, you feel uh, encouraged and inspired and motivated and valued and loved because you are very blessed. We have been blessed by you. Here's what David the psalmist says in Psalm 107.9. He says, God satisfies the thirsty and fills the hungry with good things. God satisfies. My hope, moms, is that when you leave here today, you will be satisfied because we value you, we appreciate you, and we love you. So that being said, I want to encourage you, turn your, to your Bibles to Luke chapter 10 if you've got your Bible with you. If not, you can follow along on the screens or perhaps in the YouVersion app if you have a smartphone with that app. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 38, we're going to be going into the story of Martha and Mary this morning. So 10, 38 in the book of Luke. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. Now let me stop there for just a second. Here's one of the things that I love about Jesus. Every time he goes from town to town, village to village, he's always speaking to the crowds. He's speaking to the masses. But he also looks for the individual in the crowd. A, a, a single life he can rock, a single life he can impact, a single life he can alter. He's always looking for the individual in the crowd. In this particular case, as he's going from town to town, village to village, this woman, Martha, seeks him out. She's the one that is intentional. She comes to him and she invites Jesus into her home. I don't know if you've ever done this before. Perhaps it's just me. But have you ever invited somebody to your house and hoped that they said no? <laughs> you extend the invitation in your mind. You don't say it out loud, but in your mind you're like, please say no, please say no, please. I don't have food. My, my house is a disaster right now. But I don't know if that's what it was like for Martha, but she extends the invitation to Jesus and he says Yes. At which point, I don't know if Martha, Martha in her mind was like, oh my gosh, I didn't expect the Son of God to say yes to come to my house. I don't know what you would do, ladies, if that was you. If, if Jesus just accepted the invitation, I mean, it's, it's hard enough to clean your house for a Mother's Day brunch, much less having Jesus, the Son of God, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, show up to your living room. If Jesus was coming to your house today, moms, what would you be doing right now? 
I'll tell you what you wouldn't be doing. You wouldn't be here at church. <laughs> you wouldn't be, you'd be at home. You'd be like scrubbing the floors, scrubbing the toilet, washing the windows. You'd be like taking all the clothes and shoving them into the one closet, oh, trying to close that one closet, praying, Jesus, please don't open this closet when you come over and visit. That's what you would be doing. Martha invites Jesus over to her house. And, and, and uh, even though there might be a lot of things running through her mind, don't miss the fact that Martha invited Jesus into her home. For the last decade before I became a lead pastor here at Pinion Hills Community Church, I was a youth pastor. And, and I can't tell you how many times parents would, would literally bring their kids, bring their teenagers to my student ministry, drop them off, and then I quote, they would say, here you go, Matt, you fix them. They would drop off their kids, and, and it's my responsibility to fix their kids. And they're kidding around. It's, it's, you know, a tongue-in-cheek kind of joke. They're not truly serious, but truth in every joke, right? Here's the reality. When you bring your students here to the student ministry or your kids to the children's ministry, so many parents have the mentality of, here's my kid, you, you fix them. Moms, dads, don't delegate the most important responsibility you have to somebody else. The Bible says, train a child in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Don't delegate that responsibility to somebody else. Now, when you do bring your kids here to the children's ministry and the student ministry, we talk about God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit and the Bible and hope and faith and love and joy. We, we talk about all those things, but it's not intended to replace what you do. It's intended to supplement what you're already talking about at home. We're not supposed to fix your kids. You, you should lead your kids. There's 7 billion people worldwide, and God picked you to be the parent of your child. Don't delegate that responsibility to somebody else. In fact, if you're taking notes in your program this morning, you can write this, write this in. Don't miss the blessing of inviting Jesus into your home. Don't rely on somebody else to do this for you. You invite Jesus into your home. Moms, specifically, invite Jesus into your home. Martha invites Jesus into her home. But, but the reality is that Jesus didn't travel alone. He went from town to town, village to village with his entourage, with his disciples. So when Martha invited Jesus, she likely also invited the whole group of disciples into her home. So Mar Martha invites Jesus. He shows up into the house. He gets into the, gets into the home. And inside Martha's home is her sister Mary. Now, it's not the mother of Jesus Mary. That apparently 2,000 years ago, there's a lot of Marys out there. So this is just another Mary, a Mary that's perhaps heard of Jesus but didn't know Jesus herself. She had never met Jesus. So, so Jesus comes in. Imagine this scenario. Jesus comes in to the living room, and, and there's Mary having no idea that Jesus, the Son of God, was going to be showing up in her living room. So can you imagine this introduction? Martha's like, um, Mary, this is Jesus. Jesus, my sister Mary. Jesus probably like, yeah, I know all about you. <laughs> Mary's probably like, oh, my goodness. Jesus is in my living room. I had no idea. I had no idea who he was coming over. Now, again, ladies, what would you do in this scenario? If, if a celebrity shows up in your living room, you'd, you'd probably extend your hand and shake the hand, and then you'd, like, excuse yourself and run to the back bathroom where you'd, like, look at your hair. Is everything okay? You know, you'd, you'd maybe put on new clothes, put, you know, take off the comfy clothes and the sweatpants that you were wearing and, and get into to better clothes and then come out while you feel more presentable. But look at what Mary does in this situation. Jesus shows up unannounced. She didn't know. Martha invited her over. Mary didn't know he was coming over. But look at what Martha, or what Mary rather, does. Luke chapter 10, verse 39. Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he said. She didn't run off to the back bathroom, the back bedroom. She didn't go and do her hair and put in curlers and put on perfume and change her clothes. She sat at the feet of Jesus, just listening. What a sweet picture that is. Reminds me of a few years ago, 
I put on a summer camp for high school students. There's about 150 students or so that showed up to this summer camp. There, there's also about a 30 to 40 adult volunteers that helped me put on this camp. And, and after the camp was done, one of the volunteers, one of the adults, came up to me and she said, Matt, thank you for putting on that camp. It changed my life forever. And I said, well, that's good. I'm, I'm glad to hear that the camp was intended for high school students, not for adults, but I'm, I'm glad it changed your life forever. I said, why did the camp change your life forever? She said, well, some of the things you taught really resonated with me. I, I just really, my life has changed forever. In fact, she said, Matt, I told my uncle all about it. I said, oh, yeah, who's your uncle? She said, his name's Ken Blanchard. And I was like, shut up. The Ken Blanchard? She's like, yeah, the Ken Blanchard. Now, if you don't know who Ken Blanchard is, that's okay. Uh, back in the 70s, he wrote a book called The One Minute Manager that went viral in the 70s, became one of the best-selling business books of all time. Back in early 2000s, <coughs> I read a, another book he came out with called Raving Fans. And Raving Fans is all about extreme customer service, going the extra mile, going above and beyond. He, Ken is a, a Christian. He wrote this book about extreme customer service. 2001, I read the book and I built an entertainment company in Albuquerque based on the premises and the, and the concepts of this book. So, so Ken Blanchard, to me, helped me become successful in business when I was running my own, my own company. Ken Blanchard then went on. He trained executives, Fortune 500 executives in leadership, biblical, gospel, Jesus leadership, to, to CEOs of Fortune 500 companies. In fact, he's personally trained Kathy Truett, the founder of Chick-fil-A. He's personally trained the, the founder of Southwest Airlines, of Gap, of Amazon. He's trained some of the best of the best companies that are out there. So that's Ken Blanchard. This adult volunteer of mine, she says, I told my uncle all about you. His name's Ken Blanchard. And I was like, shut up, the Ken Blanchard? She's like, yep, the Ken Blanchard. I was like, wow, like that guy has impacted my life. I've read a bunch of his books. He's like this virtual mentor that I've never met before. And then I said this to my adult volunteer. I said, hey, you claim that the camp you just came through changed your life. You want to return the favor? Get me a meeting with your uncle. <laughs> She's like, okay. She pulled out her cell phone. Do, 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 do. Dials up Ken Blanchard's assistant. Three weeks later, I'm standing in my living room, and I'm about to go have breakfast with Ken Blanchard at, at his country club. He lives about 30 minutes away from where I did in San Diego. I'm standing there in my living room asking my wife, what do I wear to meet Ken Blanchard? She's like, I don't know. Maybe like maybe a business professional, maybe, maybe wear a nice shirt and some slacks. And so I was like, yeah, you're probably right. So I put on a nice shirt, some really nice pants. I didn't want to go too, too heavy. I didn't want the suit and tie because I didn't want to overdo it, but I didn't want to show up in like sweatpants. So, so I was like, okay, business professional. We're eating breakfast together at his country club. I just don't know. So I drove the 30 minutes to get out there. I go, go yeah, get, there, get there about 15 minutes earlier than our scheduled meeting time. I show up, everybody in the country club, suit and tie. I'm like, dang it, we guessed wrong. I'm like, how, how do I go back? I should have brought a suit and tie with me so I could su Superman in the parking lot right now, but I can't. And so I was like, if I drive all the way back, that's 30 minutes back to my house, 30 minutes back, that's an hour. Ken Blanchard's going to show up in like the next 10 minutes. I don't have time, so I'm just going to, I guess, be underdressed. And so I got a table for two, and I'm sitting there waiting for Ken to show up. Ken walks in. He's 88 years old. He walks in wearing an all-black track suit. The, a black Adidas, it's got the Adidas logo, three stripes down the sides, and I'm like, yes, you came in comfy clothes. That's what I'm talking about. All of a sudden, I suddenly felt overdressed to meet with Ken Blanchard. He sits down, and he says, Matt, it's a pleasure to meet you. I'm like, what? what? It's a pleasure for me to meet you. And I, I, I told him a little bit about my story, and he said, well, what would you like to talk about this morning? And I said, honestly, Mr. Blanchard, I, I don't have an agenda. I just want to learn from you. You're a living legend. You have trained so many people. What do you need to tell me? Just, just, just speak and I'll listen. For the next two hours, 
he just fire-hosed me with wisdom. And, and I just wanted to be as present as I possibly could. Afterwards, I sat in my car in the parking lot and wrote down a bunch of information, things that stood out to me. But what a blessing, what a privilege to just sit there and listen and soak it in like a sponge. Jesus walks into the living room. Martha invited him. Mary sits down and just listens. She has no list of questions. She has no agenda. She just wants to soak it in like a sponge. Now, meanwhile, as she's sitting there taking it in, her sister Martha is busy behind her doing all sorts of things throughout the house. And I'm sure that Mary was probably thinking about her sister, Martha, you're missing it. Just be present. Just be here with Jesus. I'm sure that's what Mary was thinking. But meanwhile, Martha was thinking something similar about Mary. Mary, why aren't you serving Jesus? Why don't you get off your keister and get up and do something? It gets to the point where she gets so frustrated. Mary gets so frustrated that she goes to Jesus in Luke 10, 40. And she says, uh, it says Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had, had to be made. But then Martha came to Jesus and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to get up and help me. Martha's upset. She's frustrated. Tell my sister, Jesus, to get up and help me. Now, let me say this about Martha. Martha is not wrong for wanting to serve Jesus. Martha's not wrong for wanting to do that. In fact, more than likely, it's just a way that she's showing love to Jesus. Several years ago, a guy named Gary Chapman came out, came out with a book called The Five Love Languages. Now, The Five Love Languages is a book where it talks about how, how people interpret and receive love in a variety of different ways. In fact, if you've never read this book before, let me give you a brief, brief synopsis of what this book is all about. There's five love languages, and according to Gary Chapman, here's what the languages are. The first one is words of affirmation. Words of affirmation. You can write these in, in your program, too, if you, if you have a program. Words of affirmation. Then there's physical touch, there's gifts, quality time, and acts of service. Those are the five love languages. Now let me dive in a little bit deeper and explain what these are. Words of affirmation. If your top primary love language is words of affirmation, what that means is that when somebody is complimentary to you, when they give you a compliment, when they, when they say, hey, you look good today, or thank you for what you've done, or I'm proud of you, if that resonates with you, if you feel loved with that, perhaps your love language is the words of affirmation. Then there's physical touch. Physical touch isn't just a matter of sex, it's a matter of physical proximity. It could be holding hands. It could be snuggling. It could be cuddling. It could be even just your knees touching together. It could be a hug, an embrace when you see somebody. When somebody gives you some sort of physical touch, if you feel loved by that, perhaps you have the love language of physical touch. Third one is gifts, specifically receiving gifts. If, if you feel loved and valued and appreciated when somebody gives you something, it doesn't have to be the diamond earrings, it doesn't have to be the keys to the car, it could just be a card. It could be something small. Why? Because the thought truly does matter. But if you feel loved when somebody gives you something, perhaps you have the love language of gifts. The fourth one, quality time. Quality time is undistracted time. Perhaps it's a conversation. Uh, if you get annoyed, you get agitated when somebody's on their phone when you're having a conversation with them, perhaps your top love language is quality time. It's not just a conversation. Maybe it's going for a hike. Maybe it's going for a boat ride. Maybe it's driving around. Whatever time is undistracted where you can be with another person, if you feel loved with that, perhaps quality time is your top love language. And then the fifth one, the last one, is acts of service. If you feel loved when somebody does the dishes for you or takes out the trash or mows the lawn, puts away laundry for you, if you feel loved by that, perhaps your love language is acts of service. Now, the reality is that we all likely receive some sort of love by a combination of these. But what the author in, in the five love languages, what he says is that most of us, we have a primary love language. We have one that resonates with us more than the others. In fact, that primary one can oftentimes change. 
Before I got married, I assumed physical touch was my top love language. <laughs> then I got married, and, and having more of an, an idea of what all these love languages are like, I realized, number four, the quality time really is my top love language. When we lived in Albuquerque, both for my wife and I, we had three streams of income. I worked at a church, my wife worked at a zoo, I owned an entertainment company. So with the three streams of income living in Albuquerque, we didn't worry about finances. So we would give each other gifts all the time, but we could just go buy whatever we wanted to because we didn't really, we didn't really care uh, about the finances. We didn't really follow a budget because we didn't feel like we needed to. Now, when we moved to uh, San Diego, my wife resigned from her job and became a stay-at-home mom. I sold my business in Albuquerque, and I was a youth pastor at a church in San Diego where the cost of living is 46% higher than it is in Albuquerque. All that to say, we were broke. <laughs> we had very little money at all. And all of a sudden, gifts became a higher priority. For both my wife and I living in Albuquerque, gifts was number five. It was dead last in our list what, what spoke love to us. But for my wife, what was fascinating is that when we went through Financial Peace University in California, when we got on a budget, when we started honoring finances and, and, and paying more attention to what we spent and when we spent it, we realized we couldn't afford to give each other gifts like we once upon, could, uh, once upon a time could have. And so what, what was number five, her last love language climbed to number one when we were in California. The top love language for my wife became gifts. Now all that being said, what, what the purpose is of, of understanding these love languages is not just for the sake of understanding yourself, it's for the sake of showing love to other people. What did Jesus say? He said, love God and love others. How do you love others? Probably with a combination of these. Your, your spouse might speak the love language or receive love by gifts, but your top love language might be quality time. If you just keep giving your spouse more quality time, more quality time, but their top love language is gifts, you're missing them. They still perhaps feel some love, but not as much love as if you were hitting their top primary love language. That's the whole purpose of going through the love languages. In fact, we have several copies in our bookstore. If you haven't gone through it already, I would encourage you to go buy a copy. There's copies in there for couples, for single people, as well as for how to lead your kids, how to identify your own children, their love language. Because it's not just a matter of your spouse. It's a matter of your coworkers, employees. Any person you come across has some sort of combination of love languages. The idea is not just to understand yourself, but how do you love other people? How do you best love them? In other words, if you're taking notes, you can write this down. Your goal is to learn to give love to the people you love and the way they receive love. That's the reason you go through love languages. Learn to give love to the people you love in the way that they receive love. Now, how do you discover how they receive love? Trial and error. You, you try giving these different five love languages and see what resonates, see what lights them up, see what they really connect with when you are loving them. Now, that being said, Mary is sitting on the floor listening to Jesus. Why? More than likely because her top primary love language is quality time. Meanwhile, Martha, her sister, going throughout the house trying to do preparations, trying to serve Jesus. Now, why? More than likely because her top love language is probably acts of service. Both women, Mary and Martha, are both intending to love Jesus with their top love language. They don't know Jesus that well personally, so they're just taking their own love language and trying to apply that to Jesus, hoping that it resonates with Jesus. Acts of service and quality time, that's what Martha and Mary are both showing. So neither one of them are wrong for intending to, to love Jesus. Now that being said, Sometimes our actions of love languages, the irony is that it gets in the way of loving people. It's possible for us to get so caught up in the busyness of doing godly things 
that we miss God altogether. Let me say that again. It's possible for us to get so caught up doing godly things that we miss God altogether. Martha is so caught up trying to serve Jesus that she's missing Jesus. She's missing the most significant house guest that she's ever had before. She's getting frustrated. She's getting angry. She's looking at Mary sitting at the floor and listening to Jesus, not doing anything. She goes to Jesus and says, Jesus, can you tell my sister to stand up and help me? And here's how Jesus responds. Luke 10, 41. Jesus replies. He says, Martha, Martha, you are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is better and it will not be taken away from her. Notice what Jesus says, more specifically what he doesn't say. He doesn't condemn Martha for trying to serve him. He doesn't say, you're wrong for wanting to serve me and love me by having an act of service. What he does draw attention to, Jesus draws attention to the fact, he says, Martha, you're worried. You're upset. In other words, your mind is just racing and you're missing me. If there's anything that causes you to not love somebody, stop whatever that is, even if it's something that's godly. If serving prevents you from actually loving somebody, stop serving. If anything prevents you from loving somebody, stop doing whatever it is. Again, the two priorities, love God and love others. If there's anything that takes away from that, stop whatever that is because the main goal is to love. We have all sorts of different ways that we can love somebody, but if something's getting in the way of the actual love of another person, then, then we should stop doing that activity because service, acts of service, Jesus is all about serving people. Here's what Jesus said about serving people in Matthew 20, 28. He said, the Son of Man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus is the epitome of somebody who serves. He washed the feet of his disciples serving them. He went to the cross for you and for I. He, he is serving with his very life. He didn't come to be served. He came to serve. And as followers of Jesus, we need to follow that example and look for ways to serve other people. But we can't forget why we're serving. If it's just a matter of checking the box, if it's a matter of being bitter and resentful that I'm having to do this to serve that person... Our heart is in the wrong place. We need to understand the reason we're serving is to love. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Don't lose sight of why and who you're serving. Don't lose sight of why you're serving and who you're serving. If you forget why you're serving, stop serving. If you forget who you're serving, stop serving. Serving is an act of love unless it takes you away from loving another person. Don't forfeit love just because you're doing something that seems loving. Now that all being said, I said at the very beginning of this, this message today, I said, I'm not personally qualified from personal experience to teach moms how to become the best moms ever. Now, I'm personally not qualified because I'm not a mom. However, God's word gives us tools for how we can best live our lives. And moms, there's two things from this story of Mary and Martha that will help you perhaps become even more impactful as a mom, to help you become the best mom ever. Two things. First one is this. Don't be too busy for your kids. Don't be too busy for your kids. Martha wasn't wrong for wanting to serve Jesus, for wanting to love him. But what she probably didn't realize and didn't focus on is that Jesus wasn't going to be there forever. He wasn't going to be in the living room for a long, long time. He was just visiting. He's only there for a short time. And she's missing it. Moms, your kids are only there for a short time. Don't miss it. For all the empty nester moms in the room, you could be the first ones to say, it goes by like that. Time flies. 
My oldest, my, my daughter Michaela, she's six years old. The last six years have gone by like that. It goes by so, so quickly. Don't get so caught up in doing this as a mom, in doing this as a mom, in doing this and this, all the stuff that you're missing, the blessing that's sitting right in front of you. Don't miss the opportunity of, of being engaged with your family. One of the best bits of advice I can give you, ladies, is, is Proverbs 31, where it talks about how to be a wife of noble character, a mom of noble character. Here's part of what it says, uh, Proverbs 31, 26, and 27. She speaks, speaking about wives and moms, she speaks with wisdom, and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. In other words, she's not lazy, she's not apathetic, she's not taking her role as a mom, as a wife, and delegating it to other people. She's taking her own responsibility. But there's another couple verses. Verse 28 says this, Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. And her husband says, many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. Moms, how amazing would that be to have your children arise and call you blessed? In today's day and age, our culture, perhaps that's not what they would say, but maybe they would say, mom, you're the best mom ever. You're amazing. You're beautiful. You're awesome. You're incredible. What if your, your children stand and say that about you? If you want them to say that about you, moms, I would encourage you to go back and read the entire chapter, all of Proverbs 31, because there's so much wisdom, so many nuggets in there. And if you follow those little things, your children will rise and call you the best mom ever. That's the first thing that we get from this story of Martha and Mary. Don't be too busy for your kids. Here's the second challenge that I have for you. Don't be too busy for Jesus. Don't be too busy for Jesus. When Mary and Martha have Jesus in their home, a lot of people give Martha a bad rap because she was so preoccupied and so busy, but don't forget that Martha's the one that invited Jesus to the home. Martha invited him in. So maybe there's things you can learn from both Mary and Martha, moms. Be the one that invites Jesus into your home. Don't allow that responsibility to be somebody else. You take on that challenge. Take on the responsibility. Train your children in the way they should go and they won't depart from it. Invite Jesus into your home. But then don't just stop there. Don't get so preoccupied with this and this and this and this. Be present with your kids. Be present with Jesus as he's sitting there in your home. Don't miss the sweetness and the blessing that that is to have Jesus, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, in your home. Don't be so preoccupied with everything else and all your other responsibilities that you don't just sit at the feet of Jesus and listen. The Apostle Paul said this in Romans 15, 13. He said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Moms, how do you overflow with hope? You trust in God to fill you. You want to overflow with hope? Trust in God to be what fills you, to be who fills you. Don't look to Instagram for fulfillment. Don't look to, to Facebook. Don't look to social media. Don't look for the newest clothes or the newest hairdo or whatever it may be, all the stuff. Don't miss out. If you want to overflow with hope, moms, trust in God that he is what will fill you. Jesus will fill you more than anything that this world will provide for you. We recently asked several of the moms here at Pinion Hills Community Church, and we asked them the question, why is it important to spend time with Jesus? Why do you make it a priority? Why do you value spending time with Jesus? And we recorded some of the responses, and we wanted to share those responses with you this morning. Check out this video. Um, I spend time with Jesus because on the days that I don't, it's harder. 
Um, the days where I wake up, I pray to him first, spend time in his word, my day is just better. It's important to me to spend time with Jesus, um, not only for myself, but for my kids to see it. I want them to see that their mom needs Jesus just as much as I tell them that they need Jesus. I want my kids to grow up loving Jesus. I want them to grow up having him in their heart and having him as their leader. And I think that it's hard for me to expect that kind of love from them if I am not letting God lead me. And so by spending time with Jesus, I'm getting to know him more and I am showing him that love. I'm showing him that I love him and that he's important important enough for me to spend time with him. As a mom, especially uh, at the stage that Tim and I are at, where we have two 23-year-olds and then two toddlers, um, it's very important for me to spend time with Jesus because that is my de-escalating time. That's the time that I have to cry out to him, to uh, beg things from him and to to really just be able to recharge because I need that. I have to be able to recharge in order to face the next day. I know it's absolutely necessary for me to have those moments with Jesus just to center myself and come back to peace. I know our my schedule gets crazy. My husband's schedule gets crazy. Um, finding that balance between being at work and being a mom and being a wife, um, it gets chaotic. I just love that the grace and patience he gives me in those mundane moments or the hard and just trying days. He just, I don't know, he just leans in and whispers and just says, lean into me more and I'll give you what you need today. Take that time, no matter what time it is. My time with Jesus is usually about one o'clock in the morning because that's that's my time. That's that's usually when I'm at my best and that's when I have no distractions. And so whatever it takes, make sure you can take that time, you can um, fit it into your schedule because there's so much chaos. Don't, don't get stressed if it's 10 o'clock at night and you haven't had time to spend with Jesus. You know, go ahead and do it. Take, take that time because you need it. Spending time with Jesus recenters us. I think that there are so many things in this life that can distract us, so many things that we can let get us busy, but whenever we have that time with Jesus, we're able to focus back on what is important, and what's important is serving Him and honoring Him, and then just spending time with our family and raising them up to love Him, and I think that spending time with Jesus is the only way that we can train them to love Him is by doing so ourselves. The way that God communicates with us and with others is from this standard of love. And when I spend time with him, I bring these problems that I have with either my daughter or with my husband or even at work and just say, how would you handle this? I'm so frustrated, I'm so hurt. And he comes back to it from, this is how I would handle it. You just need him. You can't do it without him, so why not just cling to him? Cling to Jesus. What great advice, not just for moms, but for each one of us in the room this morning. Cling to Jesus. You want your life rocked by Jesus? Cling to him. Go to him. Don't be too busy for Jesus. 
We're all on a journey with Jesus, and perhaps if you're new to your journey, I would encourage you, take the next step with Jesus wherever you are right now. Perhaps you've never made him your leader, the Lord of your life, the King of your life. I would encourage you, if you haven't done that, take that next step and invite him into your life. In fact, if you have a phone, I would encourage you to pull it out because we want to continue this conversation with you personally. You can send a text message to 505-412-4880. And send in a message. And if, if you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, send the message with one to us and we'll respond back. A real person will get back in touch with you and talk about what that means. Perhaps you want to get baptized and make a public declaration about following after Jesus. Send the message to two to that phone number. You want to learn more about this church, about Pinion Hills, lean more in, send the message of three. You want to join a life group? We have fantastic life groups with people you can do life with in home life groups, campus life groups, and interest life groups. Send the message of four. You want to give generously to, to impact people who you may may never even meet, send the message of five. And if you want to serve, send the message of six to that phone number. Bottom line is that we all have a step to take with Jesus. Don't miss Jesus. Don't be too busy for him. As we wrap up this morning and we celebrate moms, moms, I want to invite you to go ahead and, and take a stand because I would like to wrap up our service. Literally, you could take a stand. You can stand up right now because I'd like to end our service this morning by praying a blessing over you. If your mom is here, if your spouse is here, if you want to put a hand on them to show your support with physical touch, you're welcome to do that. Heavenly Father, I thank you for each of the moms that are standing right now. What a blessing they are to so many other people, specifically their kids, their husbands. God, we thank you for the blessing that they are. We thank you for the gift that we have in them. As they leave here this morning, Father, I pray that they feel valued and cherished, and important, enough. I pray that they they fall more in love with you, that their heart is overflowing with hope because they trust in you to fill them. May they not be too busy to spend time with you. May they not, not be too busy to enjoy a relationship with you. Father, I specifically pray for all the women in the room this morning that struggle with Mother's Day because they've, they've struggled with having kids. I pray that you too, God, that you would provide what they need, that their heart would be overflowing with hope because they trust in you to fill them. So, Father, we thank you. We thank you for each of these moms. We thank you for their selflessness, for their sacrifice, for their intentionality, for their love. May they feel loved and valued today as well. Father, we thank you for them. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Moms, we love you.